0: if if there is an event that is not covered enough in the social media it looks like it never happened and then there is another kind of event which is super super covered very intensely on the social media non-stop lives etc et, et it kind of feels more um significant
1: Welcome to Bella Dance Live podcast. My name is Jana Komarnitska. I'm a full time dancer based in Toronto performing a variety of Middle Eastern and Central Asian dance styles, including baladance. You can find me at janadance.com as well as on Insta or Facebook by Jana Dance or Jana Komarnitska. I'm happy you've decided to join us for this weekly dose of dance inspiration because here on this podcast we explore all nuances and insights into lifestyle of ballet dancers and we are having amazing star guests who share their stories secrets and tips with you
2: Hello guys, how are you? Are you already fully in the holiday mood? (laughs) Getting ready for all upcoming celebrations and reviewing 2018 and already start planning your 2019? I honestly can't believe that it's already end of the year. This year just flew by so quickly, so long and quick at the same time, I would say. (laughs) Anyway, I'm personally feeling totally... uh, in this uh, holiday craziness i would even say not holiday but end of the year craziness that you are trying to prepare for the next year also trying to wrap up all the projects of this current year i still have one more huge project to introduce uh, to you by the end of this year so next week next episode of the podcast is coming out on december 26th And you do not want to miss it because uh, I will tell you all details about one more very important uh, project for me. And I'm both super excited and can't wait to share with you. And at the same time, very nervous uh, how people react. Is it going to be smooth or not? It's something completely new that I'm working on. But it's specifically created for ballet dancers. Uh, and my curation let's say as a belly dancer so i really hope you will like it and all details i will tell on december 26th but uh, trust me you don't want to miss uh, the announcement day because there will be a special thing specifically for the first few days of this project uh, launched so right away mark that december 26th is a day tune in in the next uh, podcast Meanwhile, I'm super happy to introduce our today's guest because it is beautiful, magnificent Mercedes Nieto. So many of you messaged me on our podcast feedback forms uh, who you want to uh, listen to and you put her name specifically. Of course, I was planning to invite her anyway, but it's also interesting for me to know who are your that you want to hear as soon as possible from this artist so hopefully I can bring them on podcast and uh, Mercedes was definitely one of them it was quite a quest to schedule this uh, uh, interview because she is uh, touring all around the world all the time and it was back and forth for a couple of months at least but once she got uh, on the podcast once we uh, um, managed to arrange the time honestly, she gave herself fully, both time-wise and soul-wise, and really thoughtfully what she uh, shares and what she delivers to you. So I really appreciate her input and her Uh, just willingness to share and be honest and uh, vulnerable on the podcast and uh, I hope you will enjoy it too don't forget to send her your love and thanks after listening to this podcast and uh, as I mentioned she not only contributed greatly from her heart she also contributed greatly with her time because yes it took us long time maybe as a funny quest to finally schedule it but once we got on she was fully in and Actually, this will be the first interview, the first uh, conversation that I'm gonna split into two sections. So what you're gonna hear today is part one of the interview with Mercedes. And next week on December 26, there will be second part as a continuation of this conversation. I don't even know if uh, Mercedes really needs the actual introduction because I'm actually pretty sure that you know her and uh, either at least saw the videos of her and got inspiration from videos or maybe even participated live at uh, one of her workshops because she continuously travels all around the world and she began her uh, baladins journey Since 1997, during this time, she won multiple uh, ballet dance competition awards, both as soloist as well as together with her troupe. And today she is also the organizer of one of the biggest ballet dance festival, Cairo Budapest, uh, which we are gonna talk about as well uh, in this interview, as well as next part of it uh, next week. But uh, today's topic that uh, we focused more in the beginning of our conversation was more about social media and impact of social media on the development of Baladdin's career today as well as the belly dance field in general. Personally I was able to relate to so many things that uh, she shared and uh, uh, I had uh, my surprises too of uh, how we perceive uh, uh, Baladdin, Life, professional Baladance artistic life, and how it sometimes is in reality. So, uh, I'm absolutely sure you'll be curious <laughs> about these things too. But before we dive into in the, the interview, I just want to give a quick uh, uh, thank you to Baladance Evolution for supporting this podcast. I feel that Baladance Evolution directed by Jelena is one of those companies that definitely will leave a mark in the history of Ballad because of their significant contribution to the development of this art form. Don't miss their performance of Phantasm 2001 Night in Sydney on March 9th. Also, don't forget that BDE is starting a new program to push dancers to their next level called Jelena's BDE Experience. The debut intensive is this March in Los Angeles. You can apply by January 27th sevens for consideration and uh, more information about both performance and this program you can find at their website validanceevolution.com hello guys Uh, you're listening to another episode of podcast and for this interview i have been waiting for a while and i was so excited we are finally here please welcome truly magical truly enchanting uh, mercedes nieto
0: welcome to the show (laughs) Thank you so much. Hi, Yana, and hi, everyone. Uh, and thank you so much for being so patient and finding the, the right time with me. Thank you. I oh,
2: absolutely. <laughs> and uh, thank you for finding time. I know you have a really crazy schedule and you're traveling uh, All the time. So, I feel it's truly magical that we finally found time and I totally understand. And I'm actually hoping to talk uh, more about uh, this crazy international travel schedule. (laughs) Can you tell us uh, in like last three months, let's say, how approximately, how many countries did you visit?
0: Wow! Yeah, this is this has been a uh, an intense period, and uh, and I'm very excited as well that finally we could we could have time for us. And um, and I remember when you first asked me, I think I was in in Argentina. That's how my tour started. Yeah, it was Argentina, and then after I went to Mexico, and then Japan, and then Crete. I remember we talked again when I was in Crete. Like like I'm sorry, just give me some more time. Yeah, and that was Crete, and then I went to um, Italy, and then Miami. Um, oh, jeez! Yeah, and and then I was Switzerland, Spain, Bosnia, and then now I'm home for a few days, and I still have China and uh, France um, for this year. And this is my my autumn and winter tour for this year, and it's it's quite intense and challenging and exciting. Um, And, um, I'm loving it. And in the same time, sometimes I'm like a little, you know, like overwhelmed and, um, exhausted. But every time I'm, I'm arriving to a new place, I'm, um, I'm immersing myself and I'm enjoying it. And that's why sometimes when I'm on the, on the road in another country, it's a bit harder to, to reach me or it's also harder for me to, to do other stuff than. Than being in the moment, so that's why I'm sometimes out of reach for a while because I try to be in the moment when I'm somewhere. And yeah, the last three months I've been <laughs> quite crazy, but I'm loving it. But I'm also hoping to have a little rest soon. Mm-hmm.
2: I think it was uh, easier to count how many days you spend at home <laughs> rather. Than yeah, in the- yeah, it definitely. definitely would
0: have been. Yeah, this this three months was quite intense. Yeah, but it was actually it's also because of the. um and that's kind of the the way how our um, work goes because it's it's also the season of, of festivals workshops i mean they are mostly in the autumn time and and in the late spring early summer those are like the most busy periods um of course it, it varies according to continent and country but um usually like the autumn period is quite busy for for the traveling dancers so i i, I you know, I embrace it, that this is the, the autumn tour, that's like that. And then the beginning of the year um, is usually more quiet. There are much less events in January and February. So that's going to be my um, holiday. <laughs> Before we dive into all your trips and this um, very
2: um, interesting for many dancers lifestyle, very um desirable but uh, uh, let's go back a little bit Uh, do you remember how everything started what actually inspired you to try belly dance
0: wow (laughs) Uh, yeah it's been actually exactly 20 years ago I just faced it like a few weeks ago I didn't think about it but yeah I started belly dancing 20 years ago it sounds like lot <laughs> i feel so old but no in the same time i feel i'm just getting there you know like i'm i'm still learning i still have so much uh to learn and uh it's so much to do all the time and um you know i i haven't felt it 20 years but it it, it is yeah i've been dancing um different dance styles always like not always like since i was little um but i didn't start the the traditional way like classical ballet and, and stuff I, I started with jazz and fro um, uh, dance and you know stuff for kids like absolutely not serious but let's like, just have so fun and then I think I was uh, 13 or 14 when I started flamenco that I really wanted to do it I was very curious about it because of my family the origin of my family's Spanish on the father's side and I was very excited to try that um I loved it but I haven't quite felt It was for me yet. I guess I was too young. I don't know. And then I was in the, in the dance school for flamenco class. And then I, I saw, um, there was a belly dance course. It was, uh, my first teacher, Tia, her course was, um, just starting. And I remember I went to sign in for my belly dance class, uh, no for my flamenco class. And then they told me that that season, uh, was full for flamenco, so I can sign up for something else. And then I saw this belly dance course, and I saw it was called Egyptian belly dance class. And so I didn't know much about belly dance, but I knew I was very attracted to the Egyptian culture. I wanted to be an archaeologist. I had a lot of like, you know, I I I was really excited that there was such a dance like Egyptian dance. Like, what can that be? So I um I tried it, and then it was kind of love for the first sight. But um yeah, I always appreciate my teacher's uh, work and uh, whatever she done, she was, it was magical. And also the music. Um, I think the music was the, the big deal. That was the game changer for me. When I heard um, Middle Eastern music, I was like, God, what's that? <laughs> this is like a new word. This is me. I. So that was the main attraction, the music. And then, so yeah, so I got into it. And, um, but I started just like, um, just a hobby way for, for quite a while. Like for two, three years, I just went like, you know, just to dance for two, one or two times a week. And it's funny because now it's like after two, three years, you are a teacher. (laughs) And back then it was like, I was still happy if I could go on stage, you know, with the other students. And uh, it was not really a purpose. I was studying and then, um, yeah, and then I studied university and it was all, the priority was always study. And then I, I studied to be a journalist and a philologist and that was kind of my dream to be a journalist so I was very happy I could become one and I also worked as a journalist for a few years meanwhile I was you know I was dancing just not professionally but then during university I had the option to I had the opportunity to start a class um, in a friend's uh, fitness um, studio so it was just you know like it was fun I was scared I'm like oh my god so people really going to come and learn from me? Like, why? (laughs) And who? And so, yeah, it was a long time ago, right? It was like 15 years ago almost. So, um, and that's how it started. And then I started to teach and and I really enjoyed it. And then after I finished university, I could have some more time to take it more seriously. I could travel for some... um, Festivals, events that was nearby Hungary, but there, was, there weren't many like now. So it was really a big deal when I could, I really, I still remember my first ever trip um, for belly dance abroad. It was uh, Hanover, the World of Orient Festival. And that was, actually, I met Jelena there. That was our first meeting. It was amazing. I was, uh, I, the whole thing for me, it was like wonderland. Like I couldn't believe it. It's just, you know. Um, and then I had some more um, experiences like that and they were really Life changer. Like I, I started to be more curious and dedicated, and um, and I had some friends who I hear other dancers who I started to 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 create um dance theater performances, and then we had a little group which was actually quite uh, it was going quite well. The art foreign with three other dancers. So I, I just got into a very exciting period, um, and then I had to choose whether I'm continuing my journalist career or I or I go on full time dancing because I just got a job offer as a journalist to be an editor in, in a quite um, good magazine in a magazine that I was working for before as a freelancer and then they asked me if I want to join and be a full time ed- editor. I was like it was a big deal for me. I was still young. So I accepted it but I, I kind of felt that I don't think that's my way. But I tried it. And I think it's yeah it's my kind of funny story. But probably the funniest of my life job-wise that I actually I went in to the uh to the office on my first full-time day and then the next day I quit and it's like I felt that I can I I just felt I can't I I couldn't do it I I was grateful for the opportunity but I felt like I, I can't close that door which I was just opening with the dance So then I, I got into it full time. I did not know actually. Um, I remember I telling, I remember telling my, my, my parents about it. Like, what do you think if I, if I just quit and I'm going to be a full time dancer? And they asked like, and how, and what are you going to live from and how how are you going to make it? Uh, Like, I, I think I'm going to make it. I don't know how, but I, let's just try. Just, just, just trust me. Let, let me try. So it was kind of, wow, it was, um, free jump you know i didn't know where i'm gonna end to but it was it was an exciting period and that's how i started to create my kind of professional dancer career getting more classes um, creating more performances uh, traveling a little more i started to work in vienna uh, on the weekends as a performer and i did it for almost three years um, plus doing a school that grew and that was growing and then it grew to be one of the biggest and then so yeah and then my first trip started and then you know people saw me performing here and there and then that made itself you know like like people saw me somewhere and then they invited me somewhere else like social media was not that dominant back then it sounds like i'm asian but it's i'm not (laughs) i'm not really asian but it's because it's just because it was not like that like 10 years ago like it is now right so i didn't have that backup so It worked like, okay, perform somewhere and then someone sees me and then I go somewhere else and then someone sees me. Yeah. And then slowly YouTube and Facebook entered in the game and then, yeah, and then I started to have more um, work, but it was slowly. I think in my case, it was a very slow, slow process. It didn't happen overnight and I didn't, you know, I didn't just, you know, create a page uh, that I'm like a the artist, a teacher and whatever. So get me. No, it it happened quite um, organically and slow, um, which I'm actually quite thankful for. I think it helped me a lot in the future to understand what it takes.
2: And do you think today we all talk about social media, that it's such a huge thing, but do you think it really takes out uh, or can substitute the personal interaction? Like, Do you think it's more for someone who may be starting now let's say or thinking about going into professional career should it be still uh, more focused on social media or dance festivals still play a huge role in your development both as an artist and potential like i don't know networking or does social media takes out these festivals away. What do you think? What's your impression?
0: Oh, this is a very, very complicated situation. And I think there are two things here you mentioned. um, Development as an artist, as a performer, or broadcasting yourself as a a public person. I think there are two different things now. Um, Before, it was basically quite the same, because you travel to festivals, to other events, you try to show yourself. um, Just you know, I think it was not so conscious back then. Like yeah, people wanted to go on stage because they wanted other people to see them, obviously, but but it didn't have such a an exact well-defined purpose. You know, it was quite natural, I think. You, you go on stage, so people see you, so maybe you you're gonna have other invitations. But I think it was more like um I don't know, I, I would call it natural, a little more organic um a little less um focused on results Uh, and then when social and then okay and then when after you perform and then you share it on social media uh, then yeah people see that you did it but it was not like intentionally for that like I remember um when I studied to perform in Egypt for example especially when I got the chance to work there for short short like period some performances I didn't even record my dances like I didn't like I didn't even think about that I want to you know I need it because I will need it for something later I felt like I just need the experience that this is why I'm here for I I need to do it I need to see the faces of the people when I'm doing it and uh, and I was happy when I got the the photo later, you know, when you go on these boats, when you're dancing in such boats, and then the tanura, dan- the tanura dancer is coming, and then the belly dancer goes around with the tanura dancer, and then a photographer takes picture with them and the audience. So I got some of those pictures, me and the tanura dancers and the audience, and I was super happy that I have them. But I never had a, a video or something to share. I, I mean, it was not in my um, spectrum. It might be that I was, yeah, I was probably silly to not think about them. I mean, it was not. The, the context was very different back then and now sometimes it's quite the opposite sometimes um, to perform it means much less than to share that you perform there you know like so that's the two things i think that if if you talk about growing as an artist or developing an artistic um personality or a professional dancer's experience then social media definitely cannot stop the substitute the personal experiences. You will not grow with social media. You can't just because you share um, what you do. It's not gonna make you uh, develop as an artist. I mean, at least I can't imagine how how it's gonna make me layered and richer as an artist if I'm sharing something which is obviously not about. Not so much about getting to layers and depth, right? It's much more about surface, let's be honest. So if you talk about this, I I do not think that social media is going to make you um, a better artist to develop, obviously using it or... or, But on the other hand, if if you are connected to social media it means it also means that you can see more dancers you going to have much more input and much more information and much more things happening that you can actually watch that can help you as a viewer as a, as a as a participant in the whole social media craziness um it can help you to get more um inspiration maybe so uh it can maybe give you some more you know insight to other dancers lives which is definitely inspiring so in this way you can um, use that experience as an artist, but just be on social media and just to keep sharing things, just be an active social media user, it does not mean necessary that you want to be, a, you're going to develop as an artist. It needs you to be also a viewer. It needs you to to accept the information that's coming from the others. And then, yes, then it can help you be richer, obviously, because you can see things that you could have never seen before, like 10 years ago. So that is a good thing, I guess. But it's definitely two sides of it. Another note on on belly dance festivals is that also we have to be fair about looking at it as from a little bit of a distance, looking at the big picture. um, When we talk about belly dance festivals, uh, what are we exactly talking about? What is happening now or what was happening, let's say, like 10 or 20 years ago? Because it's really different. Um, There are much more festivals um, in general all over the world than it used to be um some of the events are smaller some of the events are bigger but it's more approachable it's more available to have a dance festival with one two three even few artists um close to your city like i remember like 2015 years ago um yeah we had to wait for a year (laughs) to 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 actually uh, have the chance to travel for example to germany where they had bigger festivals already that time our uh or not to mention Egypt, when, when suddenly we could gather the money after a few years of saving, <laughs> um, and we could actually travel to Cairo and experience real Egyptian festival. That was only one, and then later two, uh, and only of them existing, and then it became more and more. Uh, but I remember the first uh, few visits in Egypt were like, God, it was a different word. I went to Cairo and I forgot to eat for days. And I was living on Turkish coffee just to be able to to be there in the classes nine hours a day. and um, and then everyone came and did the same. And it was so many people from all over the world. um and it was like it was just such a huge gathering, starting with Ahham Masahman and the N group. and then they were growing more and more. and then, to me, to become a teacher in the Niagara Festival later on, for example, it was like a dream that was impossible to even dream of or think of earlier. Uh, I never thought I'm gonna, it's gonna happen to me. And I, I kept going back there for years as a student and it was just, you know, it was okay. It was normal. I never planned anything else. I did love to, to share my dance on the stage and I loved to, to get to know teachers and other dancers and, and, and be part of this crazy, um, wildling community, but I didn't code it for a certain purpose. It just, it was building up year by year. And I think it was the case of many other artists and um, not only with Egyptian festivals, but also with European events or American events, I guess. Um, it was somehow they had a little bit more weight than now because there were just a few. And now it's like, we have really a lot and the policies changed as well, like um, there is a lot of approachable events, um, exchange bases sometimes. Uh, yeah, they are very really good platforms for, for, for starting dancers. And I don't think this is bad or this is this has changed the situation to worst. I just think this has changed the situation. And then we have to adjust it and we have to understand this is the way it goes. Uh, some festivals are still there who are big and and... And important and substantial and then there are some events that are still the same valuable but may- maybe they're smaller it's just too many uh at the moment to to generalize so we do have to be fair when we think about or when we talk about festivals in general um and yeah the exposure is it have became an important part of it from from student point of view but it was kind of the same before like i i remember that when i went to very first time I went to Egypt, it was 2000, I, I think four or three, yeah, maybe even earlier. And anyway, so we were in classes and on workshops and then being on a workshop with master teachers from Egypt, for example, um, it was, I felt the same excitement that I felt later on to be on the stage, you know? Um, that was the exposure to me that time. I felt like if I'm doing good in the class, then I'm like, you know, like, you know, they're going to see I'm doing it good. They're going to see how much I want it. <laughs> and I would like to refer to a photo that is still out there. Uh, it's a photo of Yusri Sharif and he's still using it. And we always joke about it because he really likes that photo. And I'm really like, <laughs> it's like a really funny one. It's from 2000, yeah, like three or four, I don't know. First time I've been to Ahlam Asahlan and he, I was in his class and, then he, we had a final pose on the end of his his workshop, the end of the choreography, and someone captured this final pose. And he's standing in the front, reaching his arm to the people. And I'm standing right behind him, reaching my arm towards him, and feeling like the word is mine because I'm just standing behind him. And I succeed to learn his choreography, and I I succeed to be close to him, and and I'm just you know I just felt like this is all, this is it, and it was such a it was an amazing experience, of great joy. But I don't think it's so different than than a, what a dancer is, is, is planning to feel or expecting to feel when she's or he is going to a festival at our times to perform, for example. Um, I, I think we really need to put things in perspective before we judge certain situations. And I also do think that festival organizers, all of us, we have responsibility on which way we are... We are, we are bringing our events to. So, yeah, we have to be fair about the whole situation. But as organizers, we also have to work on giving all the possibility for, for the dancers who are coming. Those, those ones who want to come for the exposure, they have to have some kind of possibility for that. Um, because that is going to be maybe a, important milestone in their career. Maybe they're going to learn something important from it that's going to help them. Um, Maybe it's going to help their career. Yes. So that's a good thing um, to offer. But in the same time, keep offering the quality education you can and accepting that you're influencing people as well in your uh, own way from through your festival, through the messages you send out because the festival has a lot of messages, right? Like you Every decision that an organizer takes has, a, a, has an importance and a message. The artists you're choosing, the topics they're going to give, the extra activities you're going to have, the, the prices you set, the locations you choose, the way you communicate. And yeah, we do have to be very careful about that. And that's our responsibility. But yeah, but before talking about festivals in general, we do have to see the big picture. And times are changing. And there are different things that make people happy in different phases of their career now or back then. Um and it's just again it's a process. So uh even someone going for even to an event, for example, only to get some attention, maybe a few years later the same person will realize that, oh no, like okay, that was okay, but now it's time for something else. Now I wanna learn more or just I just wanna do something else. Like give the chance to the person to learn also and and don't think that Although I'm also not, you know, 100% fan of the the kind of uh, going somewhere only for exposure approach. But still, we have to give the trust to the people that they know how it's going to help them. They know that what they're going to do with their career. And try to keep being optimistic, believing that it's going to help. And at the end of the day, it's not that at the moment the festivals are more shallow or more superficial or less studying or whatever it's just different circumstances different kind of events much much more events many different approaches options opportunities and then students have changed approaches have changed we have to adjust um try to be fair and try to get the most out of it for ourselves and for our community Um, that can bring us forward in a way um and then the other hand what you um mentioned about social media if it if it substitutes the festival experience it it is tricky i as a as a performer as as i said i don't think so um as a viewer i don't know it's it happens many times that for example the judging of about an event like like to 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 create a, an opinion about an event it is about how it is received on the social media. Like, for example, if, if there is an event that is not covered enough in the social media, it looks like it never happened. And then there is another kind of event which is super, super covered very intensely on the social media, non-stop lives, et, et cetera. It kind of feels more um, significant. So yeah, definitely social media um, influences our field, but it's completely different what you can get out of it than what you can get in a, in a festival. I don't think it should or it could um, substitute it participating in a festival in any ways. I think the, the feeling, I mean, the experience when you participate in a live event is just like, you can actually create real uh, relationships, connections, like not only to people, but also, you know, to to immerse yourself with the experience, uh, in the experience, in the flow of, of how the event goes, how the other people um, uh, react to things, how how they dance, how they, what is the atmosphere in the classes, how the the teacher teaches you, like what what are the words, what is the, the approach, um, you know, how is the atmosphere in the backstage, of, you know, after the dinner, how I mean after the the show, the, the dinner, how do what do you experience? I mean, there are so many little things, so many human connections um, that you can only make when you're there uh, so I I do think social media is really useful and good in some ways and it's great that we can have some information and some inspiration that we couldn't have before but on the other hand it should not substitute the personal experiences of course in case the, the person has chance and has opportunity and uh, has the the, the the sources to participate in a, in a live event I would definitely uh, advise that because that's the way you can actually grow. That's the way you can connect with people. Uh, you can really feel the the, the vibe of, uh, of, of the community because it's not just about one and one, you know, social media is very much about one, one person. I mean, e- either you are the viewer, either you are the one who's sharing. Uh, I mean, it's very hard to create a community that is actually truly connecting on a a, a more human, more more personal base. Um, I don't know. I have this very controversial, I don't know, idea about uh, social media in general, but I do acknowledge the the, the good things about it. But I I do think it's it's dangerously um, overrated and overdone in, in the belly dance community nowadays, which does not really help that much on long-term, I'm afraid. So I don't have a very good opinion about it in general, but I do agree that there are a lot of really, really good things that comes with it. Like, for example, this conversation we are having, uh, I mean, it's great that we can have it and then you can share it and then so people can listen to it. And these are really great things. But there are a lot of traps, especially artistically, that we should try to be aware of.
2: I feel that the main trap is all social media boom, which I honestly love social media, obviously, doing all this social media project. But the main trap is that a lot of uh, young dancers, or not only young dancers, in general dancers, they kind of start feeling that the success comes so quick. And that's the mm-hmm. impression that comes from social media. And certain, like, Because social yeah. media only reflects the best moments, the high moments. It doesn't mm-hmm. reflect all those 10 years prior to that mm-hmm. overnight success or everything that happens mm-hmm. backstage so uh but very curious to hear your opinion too about this especially in terms of um the reason even I ask about festivals because someone recently sent me a message that they would love to hear someone's opinion on podcast if if attending festivals is still useful and I kind uh-huh. of felt it was connected to this boom of social media that we so uh-huh. much, we can connect now via social media, which is awesome, and we can share and we can even learn. But uh, does it really mean that festivals go on the back like seats? Are, like, not really, it just has ups and downs on both social media and still in-person festivals. So. And I ask you because you are you're both festival organizer and you are a very active teacher and participants on festivals, on the uh, events. So I was really curious to know your opinion on, on that.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, talking but... about your career, actually, because you mentioned that you uh, started, uh, like your development started very slow uh, mm-hmm. in terms of how it may feel. Uh, how many years uh, lately is... Uh, your active international career like this this crazy traveling schedule for how many
0: years you already have it (laughs) oh so yeah i mean you just raised so many interesting topics i'm just like taking some notes (laughs) so yeah i mean yeah my international career started about um about let's say like nine ten years ago but I don't know what we call international career because just because I had like few trips a year or you know two or three uh, and I paid most of most of them I mean that was not really a part of the career but yeah uh, I'm touring um to teach and perform intensively for eight years and and from these eight years uh, probably the last five years, were the, the, the most intense, uh, but yeah. But already, I think this this last eight years in general, it was mostly about that uh, in my life. Um, so I'm I'm keeping my dance studio also in 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 Hungary, Budapest. I was creating um, performance and gala shows for them and uh, different projects. So I didn't detach completely from Hungary in these ten years. I mean, eight years, sorry, but the last four or five years were a little more difficult for me in my school. so I, I'm teaching much less now in 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 Hungary, especially um this year. I've decided to just have one class a month because I couldn't manage more, but but before that, I was doing everything together. So basically my last eight years was all about dancing. <laughs> and then also my festival started ten years ago, so um and it kind of it kind of developed together with my travels because the more people I got to know around the world, the more ideas I had about how I want my festival to be and what I want the people to experience. So I could involve those experiences with, in my organization of the festival. And then I know more people. So I I um, I was, I also had clear ideas about who I want to work with, what I want to create. Uh, so it developed kind of together. Um, but yeah, my my like crazy period, let's say it started eight years ago, And then you said some amazing, um, yeah, I mean, very important things about the new generation. Um, I think, uh, back to this question, if a festival can, can, um, if a festival experience or a festival performance can actually be still useful or not anymore. I think it definitely is. I think it's a, it's a very different approach. I mean, depends on your purpose. What is the purpose of the dancer? Let's say a young dancer wants to be known wants to get into the field in the market right she wants to she wants she see she or he imagining uh, their career as a dancer and want to establish it um definitely like you can't avoid social media any anyhow like you have to get involved with it somehow so so people can have an idea about uh, your work your uh, artistic um, approach that is not um that is not a doubt. Like that is not a question anymore. That you n- just need that. But in the other hand, what is the purpose? I mean, if the purpose is only to be to be known, uh, to be seen, then maybe even the videos are enough. Maybe social media can even be enough. I mean, if that's the purpose. And then there will be places where you can still get invited, even if you never performed in you know certain venues before. You just have a lots of amazing videos and media coverage. And then there are certain places, especially, I think it's quite interesting, but there are countries where this is most important. This is like more important than the 20 years behind you. And then, yes, you can have invitations. Yes, you can be known. But if that's the only purpose, but I think that's probably not the only approach or let's say the most like right approach, Uh, because... You also want to grow as an artist, right? You also want to grow with experiences. You also want to get to know people. Um, you also want to study from other people. You want to have experiences that make you richer and and more dimensional as a dancer, as an artist, as a person. Uh, and that comes with... The live appearances, I mean, you getting into festivals or workshops or any kind of projects, performances, whatever, where you can meet other dancers, where you can study with other dancers, or you can experience things with other people from your field. I think this is very important. I don't, so I think it's about the purpose. If the purpose is only to be known in the community and get some invitations, yes, you can do that. But I mean, how long that's going to last if you yourself are not, developing yourself and deepening yourself and you don't focus on the the connections the the, the amazing relationships the whole net that's coming with the band the dance community right I feel it would be very um self-centered at a, a point of view it's not a judgment it's just a fact that if that's the only purpose that's a bit of a self-centered attitude in my opinion. Um, but it doesn't mean anything bad because maybe you have such a vision, like you just wanna be known because you wanna travel and you wanna share something amazing with everyone because you think that's what you were waiting for in your whole life i mean, and there must be some valuable um things there to share, but in my opinion, it's just I can't really see how how you're gonna keep deepening your knowledge. And also widening your knowledge, and then meet different styles, and you know, make yourself just more dimensional, more rich. Your, I mean, this thing, the whole Middle Eastern dance, is like a never-ending study. Like I have participated, I don't know how many festivals, and I took, and I don't know how many hundreds of classes, and read how many books, and I'm still never like nothing near the knowledge I want to have. And I mean, I, I can't imagine stopping all this and then just put myself online uh, all the time, and then than be satisfied. Maybe I would be satisfied in a way that the attention would come, but I don't know how me as an artist, a Middle Eastern dance artist, would feel myself complete without all the other knowledge that is coming from participation in certain events Um, and starting from people and at least be present, be in the moment and have a human connection. You know, maybe I'm old school, but I just can't imagine... That without this, anyone can succeed for long term, maybe for short term. But I don't know uh, if that's the purpose. That's OK. I don't know. That is very uh, strange to me. But I also see that uh, quite often nowadays. And then I understand that. I mean, I also understand there is a lot of hard work behind. It's not just, you know, not anyone who's going to put themselves on the Internet with little knowledge, gonna be famous with their videos or something no that also needs a knowledge that also needs a kind of you know hard work behind so i appreciate that when someone has this crazy um active social media coverage and then uh there is a lot of hard work behind that and also in my opinion it could be super tiring that you always have to think about what you're gonna put out next i mean in my case if I also I'm also managing you know two Instagram profiles for my festival for myself, and the pages on the Facebook and website and all that stuff, um, and it's draining. I know that if I have to do that and if I have to think about the, the posts of like you know on the Facebook sometimes and um, Instagram also you, sometimes there are genuine things you want to share and there are great experiences or a nice memory or just something for promotion or something about you know a new dance or something and then it's obvious that you share it but. Sometimes there are times when I have to think that, okay, I have to keep it alive. I have to keep it going. I have to put something out there. I'm like, what am I going to put? I don't feel like putting anything. But if I don't put anything for a week, it, it feels like I'm I'm not there anymore. You know, it's just, it drains me. So I really, uh, I I really respect those people who can do it like 24-7. Um, I'm sure it's hard also. Um, but on the other hand, I do find it a little... Um, dangerous, because if we talk about this generation thing, um, okay, like, let's say I'm a festival organizer as well, right? So if I'm, and I'm I'm inviting different people in every year uh, to my festivals. So I, let's say I'm one of the targets of, of, of the the social media, uh, let's say appearances of other dancers, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm someone who, who, who likes to, to invite artists. So and this is my job, too. So how I'm deciding, um, I would not invite someone who I only see on social media before. Uh, so let's, if we get back to this topic, what you just mentioned, if it's enough. To me, if I don't see someone in real life, uh, and if I don't experience the energy of that person, uh, if I don't experience the person's work um, personally and live, if I don't have the connection, I would just not invite the person. Like I have never, ever had anyone. And I'm really thinking, really thinking hard. But because, you know, I'm organizing for 10 years. No, that's that's true. I never, ever have worked with anyone who I haven't met before live and who I haven't seen personally. So in my case, this social media thing doesn't work. Somebody can send me, you know, a million videos. If I don't see the person live, or if I don't meet with the person, I'm just not gonna be able to invite the person because on my festival the atmosphere uh, is is very important to me. I really have to be sure um, that the energy is gonna be as I want it to be, and uh, uh, I'm I'm I need to feel the person before I'm you know before I'm I'm inviting them to my event. So in my case, this. Kind of promotion doesn't work, but I know there are cases when it does work. And then when we talk about young generation, it's also interesting because we talk about actually not a completely new generation, not only dance-wise. I mean the the generation after the generation X, there was the Y and the and the and the Z. Uh, that uh, it's just a different generation. Starting from the generation Y, I think just people born into this social media ambient. What we did not have before so they're more familiar with it more comfortable with it and i think it's speedy it's just there are some it's about the peaks it's about the highlights as you just said they just cut together you know the the peak moments the high moments and that is not only about dance that is all their lives i mean the majority right they live like that they have they have the 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 luxury of you know i don't know i'm saying luxury in a like i'm just quoting it because I don't really think it is a luxury, but it could be seen as way at uh, this way that you can share, you can basically create another person out of yourself online, and you don't feel loneliness. what loneliness means in a traditional way anymore. You don't, you don't know what being slow or being spiritual means anymore. I, I, it doesn't mean that it's not possible to know it. I think it is possible to learn it. But I also think that what people call this way now in the second social media boom, it's not what people call the same like 10 years ago. Like if you say something like now, slow, like there's no such a thing thing like slow, um, slowly building up something or slowly immersing yourself to something or give enough time to something. Right. So I think it's a generational thing. Things, new generations like things, speedy like things. Uh, fast and easy shortcuts um, which makes their life sometimes you know much more about the highlights looking much more exciting I'm not sure that what is in the depth about it is the same profound as it could be if that's a little less I mean a little less fast or a little less high you know so I think it's not only about dancers New dancers, but it's a whole generation thing, and I don't think we can do anything about it because this is just a, a social process. Also, it's about societies, it's about generations. Uh, I don't know. It's um, it worries me honestly a little bit, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm participating in events where sometimes I feel that it's hard for me to connect with the people around me because everyone is more connected to the to their online persona in the with the with the online surfaces, like we are living a moment together, which could be an interesting moment for us. But everybody is broadcasting it live instead of talking about it. And sometimes I feel like an alien that I'm not doing it, and then I feel like okay, maybe I have to do it. So sometimes I try to do it, and then I hate it, and then so I'm not very comfortable about it, honestly. And I do love to see how other people enjoy things and how other people live. And I do like to, to, to use social media to a certain extent. But I think nowadays when experiences on social media can substitute experiences in the real life, I think it is a little dangerous. And I do think it affects the dance quality as well. Um, that I'm not very um, comfortable about. I don't know if I could answer your question because there's so many thoughts.
2: No, <laughs> you, you brought up so many cool uh, points and valuable things and reminders for people. And uh, I don't feel there is any like true or real answer to it. It's just uh, everyone should realize that there are ups and downs and uh, one can't really substitute in another, but they can complement greatly each other like in-person connection and the social media connection uh because even with social media we can connect real like we may not even meet each other but we may know what is happening in people's life and we can meet a lot of new people but at the same time it only shows part of life and it creates a lot of uh, um idealized impressions
0: yeah, but but those are a little dangerous if we are honest. I mean, idealizing other people's life without truly understanding this is, I think, one of the downs of the social media. I think everyone can kind of agree on that, and uh, I think it's uh, it is dangerous, right? I mean, I I don't know. I think it's it makes it can make people feel uncomfortable about their own lives, and I don't think that's why we all started it in the first hand. I don't I don't really like it. I. I, I don't like to, you know that sometimes I feel like we are responsible as dancers, as teachers who are or artists who are traveling and teaching people and who, having the the luck and the blessing and the, I don't know how to call it. It's really such a such a valuable asset what we are having that we can travel around and meet people and share things with people, teach people. They trust us. They trust. They put their trust in us, right? So I feel responsible about what I'm giving back. So every post I'm, I'm' I'm having like for example or anything I share I I feel like it's I want it to be me I want it to be the authentic me and and I don't want to filter it too much and I don't want it to be fake but I also don't want to get into such personal details like you know I'm I'm not gonna share when I'm sick and I'm crying in the camera and I'm sharing that I'm sick and I'm like I feel like Those moments are about me, you know, I I still want to have me. And and I'm talking about the happiest moments as well, like the happiest, most beautiful encounter with a friend, for example, or a beautiful trip to a person you love or with a person you love or something like that. It's just, I feel like it's for me. I mean, it's not the first thought that comes to my mind that, okay, how I'm going to share it, how I'm going to, because that sharing that with people is not necessarily going to make them happy maybe they're going to be, you know, happy for me or be excited or something, but maybe they, you know, maybe if I'm just projecting the amazing moments of my life um, and then, okay, sometimes I'm adding some crying moments just so I can be credible. (laughs) That's gonna, but that's still going to make me, you know, like it's still going to put me out there and still going to make me like, I'm, I'm influencing people, you know, like we are all influencing people with what we do. And, and I think it's it's a double-edged sword. You do have to um, be honest, but in the same time, think about how you. I mean, how are you affecting the people? So, yeah. So that's the weird thing because you can't like be completely honest. Because I feel that. I mean, in my case, I mean, in my case, I feel like I don't want to be completely out there all the time and connected all the time. Um, but I. But I also. I don't want to filter what I'm showing and what I'm hiding Um, and then idealizing, you know, uh, myself and my life and my trips and my work and hashtag, I love my work and hashtag belly dance is my life. Like I'm sorry, it's not my life. It's, It's, it's my job and it's something I love. It's my passion. It's my, but it's, but we are more layered than that. I mean, and I don't want to have, and I don't want to give the impression to anyone that this is my life and that's okay like that. And, and I have the luxury, the privilege that this is all my life. And that's you understand what I mean? Like it's it's just it's just tricky. I feel that it's a big responsibility on us. I'm just I'm just throwing, you know, thoughts in here. Let's say this is my struggle when I'm when I'm thinking about this whole social media thing. It is this is a kind of struggle. It's a real struggle because we do have a responsibility. What we um give what we project what we share it's gonna influence the dance community in a way or two in a personal way or in a professional way or it's gonna influence people and then maybe some people can you know it also depends on personality the receiver's personality maybe some people can just take it easy and then just you know just follow million people and know things about their private lives and then just still be harmonious about their own lives, but there are some more sensitive or more troubled people in the, the the who might be, you know, liking their own life a little less if they only see that everyone else's life is just so hyper and and perfect and filtered and hashtagged and whatever. So I just I'm just not sure about that's why I'm like so you know, unorganized at the moment about my thoughts, because I'm really not sure what is the good approach. Because I think what you said is really important that things can, um, complement each other. Like it's, it's, it's important to, to be able to keep up with the technology and, and the possibilities it gave us and to, to, to enjoy the social media's good things and, and connect and to use it in the way it's really important and nice and interesting. But in the other way, without losing personal, um, attention, personal connections, plus personal judgment. But that is the thing that I think it's not obvious, especially with the young generation, the personal judgment that what you see is not necessarily real. Um, I think this is not very obvious among people, that what you see is just a segment of someone, is just something that someone wants to project. It's not necessarily equal with the person, so it's not necessarily means that, if you are not living up to that, if we talk about influencers and teachers and whatever, then you know your life is less valuable or interesting or or complete. I think it's also interesting how the let's say the value of a teacher is is changing or getting more like bigger uh, with. The social media impact the person makes. I mean, so you, you the more you're out there, the more things you're sharing, the more you're present and responsive in the social media, the more the community will know you, and the more they're gonna count with you as a as a as a, as a, as a star maybe or as a famous person. Um, and that is not always have a lot to do with what that person achieved in the reality. In the professional dance field, and there are people who achieved a lot, but they are just not out there, and they are getting forgotten. And that I'm also watching that, and then I, I, I really, really don't like that. But you know, it's just, it's, it's just what it is. It's we have to keep up with the technology and the, the new generations' um, um, requests and um, needs. But in the same time, seeing amazing artists. Not being out there as much anymore because they can't keep up with this craziness and the rhythm and the speed and the shallowness. Because I'm going to say this word, I'm sorry, but this is something I think about the social media as well, Um, especially the, you know, some segment of it. I'm not talking about the informative part of it. I'm talking about the sharing for itself, sharing for sharing stuff. That is shallow. And there are people who refuse that. And those people are not in the highlight anymore. And that is not fair. So that's the other side of the story, and I think that is not a, a good thing and then but you still can meet those people if you go to events, and you can still follow them if you if you know where to find them so um yeah, I think it's a very interesting change that's going on, and it takes a very grounded and well informed and curious and stable personality to be able to understand the whole thing that comes with the social media and not and not use it on the wrong way that is that is emptying the personality or emptying the experience for example because that's what i feel sometimes when i'm traveling and i'm on festivals and i'm i do okay let's say about like you know the pictures for example pictures after classes right or after show when people take selfies and want to take a picture with you and this is really, really lovely and i'm there i mean i'm out there um They can do it. And I have no problem with doing it. But the whole thing became just so fast. And so many times, even the workshop is about at the end, you can take a video and at the end, you're going to take a photo with the teacher. And then you're going to put, I mean, I'm sure that it is nice and important for the person who is collecting memories. You know, I'm not against it, but it can easily slip to the other side, which is only going to be about that moment you can share but you don't really feel the person like you don't look into my eyes and tell me how you felt on my class. And I can't look into your eyes and tell you something about anything, you know, because we don't have time to connect because all we do is snapping a picture, sharing it and then go on and snap it with the other teacher. So sometimes I feel like this way we are also losing the moment or when you're in a workshop and then, you know, it's mainly about having a video at the end, or or, or having a picture at the end, you're losing a lot of information that's on the class, that's happening on the class. I'm not saying that it's general, but it's just a problem I see at some places, which is also changing with the social media age, because before it was not really like that. So I feel that, um, you know, the intensity of the moment is changing, because things are not for the moment anymore. So many times I feel that I'm on... You know you're in an amazing place or you're just in a beautiful you know dinner with someone or you are you're experiencing something with a group of people and then you just want to be there and share some thoughts and you want to share the experience and then all you see around these people putting everything on like live they're just putting everything live and then they are talking about oh and she and i don't know 300 people joined from all over the world and watching us yeah watching us doing what like Watching us, recording ourselves, (laughs) not, not actually, we are not in the moment anymore. So it this opportunity to be out there all the time, which is super interesting and cool in one hand, but in the other hand, it's emptying the moment a lot. And I'm, yeah, I don't know how to, 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 to deal with that. I don't say that I know the solution, but I do know that, um, there should be some kind of change in the other way around or there should be some kind of slowing down or or should be some kind of consciousness growing, especially in influencers, teachers, artists, whoever leading that, you know, that it is not bringing any anything good on the long term. I think it's not. I don't know. I, I, I think if we talk about the mental health of, of young dancers, for example, who are following us. I think if we already we have the responsibility to share values with them and if the value is the the 200 duck selfies I'm sorry it's like you know what I mean um I don't know I think we have to reconsider stuff and um and we do have responsibility and when I say we I say everyone but mostly the artists and teachers who are really followed and Mm-hmm.
2: It's so interesting how we are talking about the balladance profession, but it's always uh, so big term for so many different aspects, because in the past it was, okay, bell- you're a dancer, but you can be a teacher, you can be a performer. You can be like choreographer, which often combined with a teaching aspect or performance aspect. But you also embraced in the past, like, oh, you are your own administrator, your own manager, your own, uh, I don't know, costume maker sometimes. And mm-hmm. now we're <laughs> slowly embracing this new profession of influencer mm-hmm. as a part of ballet dance career too. Or to some extent or some uh, some uh, members of ballet dance community, they embrace this uh, uh, new aspect of career, let's say, but uh, I feel because it's so new in general, all this influencer, regardless is it in belly dance or not, it's just very, very new thing, uh, at least in the aspect of social media, how it's presented, it's sometimes embraced very, yeah, I would say the same as you meant, like shallow way, uh, because people often forget that influencing, it's not about presenting yourself, it's about serving who you're influencing. So Mm -hmm. is your thing that you're putting out, is it really serving anyone or not? And then if it's not serving, plus you're taking out the element of being in the present moment and uh taking away this gift of being connected to people around you, then what's the purpose? Like it doesn't serve neither who watches you online nor people who are around you. But talking about real life, (laughs) uh, I kind of wanted to ask you, with all these travels and all these festivals, uh, what do you find is the most challenging and the most fulfilling thing?
0: Okay. Um, So just I I just like to reflect to the influencer thing uh, first because it's really interesting. Um, Yeah, I think an influencer has... As again, a very, like, very much responsibility about what is the message. I mean, influencing. Okay. But define who are you influencing? What are you influencing them to do? Or who are you influencing them to be? Or what makes you an influencer? Because just because you're sharing your own good moments and quotes you get, you know, that I don't see that very defined that influencers understand. What does that mean to influence people? Like, it's not gonna, like, if you just, you know, just show snippets of your life, beautiful things, or some of your, you know, trips, or your dog, or your coffee in the morning, or your new costume, or I think it's it's a little overrated. Like, not everyone gonna be an influencer who has 100,000 followers. In a way, practically, the person does reach people, but if there is no content, if there is no message, I can't call the person an influencer. I, I would love to believe that in an ideal world, I would only let someone influence me who has a message that is bigger than the person that is about something more than just a reflection of that person's personal things. Um, I mean, because yeah, personal path, personal visions, person's projectives, per, 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 person's professions can inspire you so they can influence you as well but it has to be something bigger than themselves it's not it's not just um who they are right it's a lot of other things it's what they do what they think how they live um uh what what do they what is their vision i think an influencer has to be much more complicated than it is actually at the moment i think it's something it's it's not only about dance of course i think in general this is a kind of scandalous like for me it's I'm, I'm sometimes it's I, I'm sorry maybe that's also the old school me the the ancient version of me but I find it quite outrageous Um, the people who call themselves and who are called influencers and then what kind of things they are trying to project out there I mean without any message I mean without any intention of actually adding a profound you know Something to the other people's lives. I mean, it's a big confusion here. It's a, it's a very big confusion, and and I think that's also kind of dark side of the social media for me, the whole influencer phenomenon. And I do see that uh, situation in, in in among belly dancers as well. Um, and I do see some of those who are um, not calling themselves influencers, but they do have a lot of followers, and they do post really valuable things time by time. I see that I I follow some of the dancers who are uh, posting nice, uh, you know, a lot of interesting, valuable things about their own progresses as dancers or as artists or as moms or as whatever, you know, their own uh, thoughts or experiences or struggles, things with uh, even just some images. Sometimes, you know, that that, that means a little more than just about a mirror about them. I mean, yeah, everything is a mirror, but, you know, not like, (laughs) not like, um, Uh, actually just like just the face or something like um so i kind of see when someone doesn't call her her himself like that but does add a lot of nice um interesting valuable deep uh, context to the things she or he does and that is inspiring me so that is an influencer to me but just because someone has i don't know hundred thousand followers because of a lot of uh or because of whatever but the person is posting you know a lot of I don't know, pictures about themselves, um, cool things about their lives, just the moments when it's about amazing things, it's about highlights, it's about being, you know, like an Instagram person, you know that, like we, we all know that how that looks, but without any more intended content, any depth, any vision that I see uh, in this whole representation, then I'm not gonna consider the person as an influencer. But not all of us are so conscious about social media. Even even the conscious person, people losing it sometimes. Like I also feel that I'm losing it sometimes. I'm browsing in social media like when I'm in a weaker period of my life or whatever. I'm troubled or I'm, and then I'm like, oh geez, my life is the shittiest. My life is the my life is the most boring. And I'm even if there is good thing then I'm not even sharing it. Why I'm not sharing it? I could. And then oh my god, I was in that place. Why I haven't taken this picture? Because I took a picture for myself, maybe. But there is someone who went there and had this pose and posted it. And wow, it's so amazing. Why I haven't done that, you know? And and I have I have this performance. I did this performance and it was amazing. Why I didn't record it? Why I haven't shared it? Why, why, why? You know, so even me, and I'm usually quite conscious about social media's ups and downs. But even me, I'm losing it sometimes because it's so damn effective. It's it's manipulative and it's toxic. And I'm at least aware of it, but I see in many times in many cases especially new generations who born into it and it's not their fault they were born into it they don't see that that uh, that 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 part of it so yeah i don't know um how it's gonna end up to be but so i'm gonna get back to your other question <laughs> before
2: that i just want to comment Uh, I think right now in this moment for many listeners it's mind-blowing to hear you talking or thinking at some point that your life is boring and not interesting because (laughs) I'm pretty sure (laughs) (laughs) but I'm pretty sure a lot of people really would love to have the lifestyle or they think they would love to have a lifestyle of traveling internationally acknowledged ballet dancing teacher and hearing from you that you have some of these like uh, down moments that you think your life is not uh
0: interesting enough that's quite <laughs> no of course i i'm a, i know that i'm i'm very blessed about uh, and i'm i'm lucky and i also i did work very hard for for what i'm doing at the moment and i know that I'm, I'm 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 living a privileged life um but i also know how much i worked for it and i know i also know how much it takes and that's what i'm gonna i'm gonna just answer you now but But yeah, I think it's, it also, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of elements. It's a lot of aspects of, of, um, of an interesting life or a, or or a fulfilled life or a happy life. You know, it's not only about how successful you are or how much you travel or how much you achieve on the surface. It's so many other things, what's going on in a person's mind and heart and experience and private life. It's, it, it can easily be misunderstood. Um, and um and i I, i'm not always happy with my life i I do have to be honest i think we all should have i mean i we all should be honest about that like i i love what i do and i'm i want to keep doing it and i want to keep doing it because i want to do it better so my main uh motivation is that i want to do even better things but not better for me i mean i want to be more like let's say like useful for my community i want to I want to be a better teacher for my students. I I want to learn. Um, so I do have a lot of um, I have a long way to go. I I hope I'm gonna have the chance, and I really love doing it. But it doesn't mean that I'm always loving it. You know, there are moments when I'm super tired, when I'm missing my family, when I when I don't know how the next year gonna be because maybe you're gonna have a lot of work this year, and you, who knows if you will be still popular next year. And then and then and then you have to you know then then you have to think of Ways you want to make your art live on and survive, and and then sometimes you can't just let it happen in a genuine way. Like sometimes you have to really force it in a to to put it in frames so it can help you to 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 function as a profession as as a job for long term. And that is completely okay. But to me, it's really hard. I I never really have like very long term plans i i like to i like to think the next step i I like to to create the next thing i and then i i like to go with the flow what it's going to bring me what it's how it's going to inspire me what's going to be like i have no idea if you ask me like where i'm seeing myself in five years i love to ask this question from other people because so many people seem to know the answer and that's amazing i'm i'm envying them i don't know i never really knew um i never really planned so intentionally not even my dance career like I didn't know when I started I jumped into it I never knew I was going to be known or popular or you know famous and then travel around I never expected it it was not even I can't say it was a purpose or an aim bec- or a dream because I didn't even know there is such a life like a touring ballet dancer I think I think you know I I the first person I met who was a, tr- a, a, a traveling ballet dancer it was Hadia from Canada, my other very important teacher. Uh, and when I met her first few times and she was always traveling and I'm like, it was like a different universe for me. I never, ever dreamt of something like that. I never thought I was going to have her life, a similar life, you know, like I, I, I it was so far away. So what I'm saying with that is that I never had this very long term planning Um and then it's going with the flow sometimes gives you a lot of freedom and i do need that that's why i'm like this probably because i need freedom i i kind of can't handle very well the boundaries the walls around me um but it also gives you insecurity sometimes and fear you know um and those moments when you're afraid of What's going to happen? And then, you know, and then you overcome it. You say, yeah, but I trust myself. I try to trust me, not what I do at the moment. It's me. So I'm I'm going to trust that. And it's going to bring me somewhere. But still, there are some weaker moments when I feel like, especially, and this is especially what comes with social media, when I'm browsing, you know, and I'm in a weak period of mine, I'm browsing. And I feel like it's not going to last for long. I, I feel like I'm someone from the past. And I don't know how it's. You know yes I do have the thou- those thoughts and I'm not I don't think I have to be shy or ashamed talking about that because it's I feel it's quite useful and healthy and I I hope I hope other people will not get shocked but maybe they can like relate to um to this I think it's it this feeling what I'm I'm talking about now it doesn't even depend so much on what you have achieved before in your life like I do know the value of the things I created uh, and I'm 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 aware of it, and I'm not only grateful, but I'm also so proud of of the things I've done because I know I know what I contributed, and it took me years to take the credit for it. But I think now I do. I, I that's part of the healthy relationship with this whole thing, right? So you have to also take the credit. So I I know that, but even knowing that, it it doesn't doesn't matter. Like it it when you lose yourself, when you lose it, watching social media, I think everyone with any kind of background any kind of successes they achieved before can have the same feeling who is you know just self-aware enough and like deep thinker enough because things affect you that's what social media is about things are affecting you and then you can just close it out completely so and you can't always control the effect. but sometimes you I sometimes I I get lost in the middle and I'm like I don't know. I'm not gonna be able to keep up with this. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna give it up in a few years. I can't do like you know a lot of stuff, thoughts like that, and and then I overcome it. Um, but that's the danger of social media. I think that it affects you sometimes in a really sneaky way. Like you don't even know it affects you, and it does. And and it takes a lot of effort to 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 find your place in the system, and uh, and it happens to all of us. And I'm sure every single person out there, I don't know, like if it's millions of followers have the same thoughts, probably even worse because the more you're into it, the more it affects you and uh, it's, it's your own, you know, weapon turns against you sometimes. So that's why it needs a lot of consciousness and I'm not fully um, in control yet, but I'm trying.
2: But a lot of things that definitely a lot of people can relate. I personally already <laughs> the first one uh, to say that, uh, yeah, it's very, um, social media is very tricky. And can, can, uh, especially this uh, moment of comparing, because when you browse or scroll through your social media, you're not comparing even to one person. You're comparing to a collection of yeah. moments from different people, but you're comparing Yes, exactly. to your own And then and sometimes life. your,
0: your moments, like your own real life at the moment, like maybe you're having a, you know, an amazing, my nice period of your life, but that moment you are sick, stuck in your home. Uh, don't know what to do whatever i don't know and then you go through things on social media then it fa- affects you in a completely different way because you are in a weak uh, state uh, it's it's and then th- that's the comparison that's also important what you mentioned is that it's an automatic thing it's unfortunately it's what's happening with us in all our lives we're comparing and being compared even uh, subconsciously all the time and it's natural that's the biggest danger like when you see these things and then you automatically get compare things with your actual moment or place in life. And that is what's not fair because no one's living that life that you're living. No one's living that life that the other one is living only that person and only you. Um, so only you understand the whole perspective about your life and and compare it with other people's um, lives. It's just not fair. The only comparison is fair, I think, to do is when you compare yourself with who you were. Um, don't compare yourself with with who you know who other people are at the moment but see yourself how you want to be comparing to your old self and that is fair because right you want to see your development you want to see what's happening to you compared to your own life your own past i think that's fair but not none of the others
2: absolutely not only life but then specific and it's so Uh, Amazing that you brought up this uh, thing, because I actually wanted at some point to, uh, then talking about your festival, share one thing. Because right before we start recording the interview, I looked uh, across my room on the opposite wall, uh, which is basically like my home training space here. (laughs) (laughs) And I saw a note, I realized, literally just before talking to you, I realized that I still have a note... Put on my wall that I got in two thousand fifteen. Then I went to Cairo Budapest Festival, and you put a note on all in the hotel in the uh, on the doors of all participants, and the note was a quote from uh, Mikhail Barishnikov that. Um, uh-huh. I mean, I don't see exactly, exactly <laughs> throughout <laughs> the world, but it basically says, I'm not trying to dance better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to dance better than I did, than myself, that I did
0: yesterday. Yeah, just, yeah trying to dance better than myself. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great quote. I really like that. It's amazing you still have it. That's so nice. I just
1: realized, so oh lovely. my God. <laughs> Guys. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. And if you like this episode, it will mean a world to me if you take a few seconds and leave us a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. Also, you can always find more information about podcast as well as past episodes at yanadance.com slash podcast as well as you can connect with me on social media by Jana dance or Jana komarnicka i'm very active on instagram as well as facebook and share a lot of tips and inspiration for your daily ballet dance life and by the way don't forget to subscribe to podcast so you never miss a future episode and until next time keep shiming